How long? Have you ever been to the doctor and it's felt like that? I don't know if you noticed, he sat there all day long. And you know, did you notice it was daylight when he first sat down and it was night by the time he finally got seen by the doctor? And so I know that you have probably sat in many doctor's offices and wondered how long, how long do I have to wait until I get seen by the doctor? Uh, we've all been there in the waiting room. This may be even worse, having children on a long trip wanting to know how long. Uh, I, we had three children. If you've had three children, then maybe you have had this experience too. The smallest one always goes in the middle because you know, the smallest one can fit in the middle. That's the smallest seat. So, but I can see in this picture that got the middle son there does not want to be in the middle. And so I just wonder what happened next after this moment that this picture was taken. Uh, something's going to break out here. Anyway, uh, waiting for how long? How long till we get there? You don't have to be a kid to ask that question either. We adults ask that question too when we are traveling. How long before we get there? Uh, maybe sports. If you were a Cubs fan, you had to wait 108 years between their World Series victories. Uh, 1908 and then finally again in 2016. So I know we're not in the Chicago area, so probably none of you are Cub fans. But that was a long time to wait for a sports team to win the big one. And more seriously, we have all been asking, how long are we going to have to wear masks? Now, how long are we going to be in lockdown? How long with all of these restrictions? We continue uh, to worship in our uh, Christian Life Center and wanting to know how long before we're able to be in the sanctuary. How long before life is going to be normal? And even when we say that, we know it's never going to be the same as it was before March of last year. But we've been going almost a year. And it will be more than a year before restrictions are gone. And we're given the freedom to go and do as we did before March of 2020. How long? And as we've been asking how long, hasn't it gotten harder and harder? At the beginning, it was, I don't know why we thought this, but it was almost like, oh, just a couple of weeks, and we're going to shut things down, and then we're going to open them all up again. But I think we've realized very quickly that wasn't going to happen. And so then we thought, well, it's going to be uh, when spring gets here, at the end of the spring. Then the summer, that's when things are going to be better. Then the fall, you know, and... In the spring, we were thinking, oh, kids are going to go to school in the fall, no doubt. Well, by the time fall got here, it was obvious that wasn't going to happen. So then it was, well, when we get to 2021, things are going to be different. Well, they haven't been different, have they? And now we have the vaccine, so there's hope that it's going to be different. And then you start hearing that the amounts of vaccines that are going out are super, super low. You know, it's going to take, at this rate, a year before everyone gets vaccinated or longer. And so now we may be saying in the summer, well, maybe next year, 2022 will be the time. And when I think about that and you think about that, we say, oh, please, God, not that long. We're already fed up with it. So we ask, how long? Our, we talk about division when it comes to the issue of abortion. Isn't it true that politically our country is more divided than it ever has been, almost split right down the middle, and not just split where one, has a, one side has one opinion and one side has another opinion, but split to the point where each side hates 
the other side. And I hear more and more talk about the other side is dangerous. The other side needs to be silenced. The other side needs to go away. When you start hearing that, that's no longer a discussion or opinions. And I always am afraid when I start hearing that certain people or ideas or groups are dangerous. Because when things are labeled as dangerous, then we are getting close to the point where you're able to say we can do whatever means necessary to get rid of what's dangerous. This is where we are, and we're asking how long? How long are we going to be in this pandemic? How long are we going to see a climate in our country that's so filled with hate? How long will we wait? That was the question that Habakkuk asked God. And it's not just Habakkuk, but many before him, many after him, and us as well. We ask How long, not just in the silly things like how long before my team wins, but personally ask how long. For example, how long before I'm well? How long before my loved one is saved? How long before the grief goes away, the pain goes away? How long before I finally make it? How long before life will finally make sense? How long? Habakkuk was a prophet who wrote in the first four verses this. The pronouncement that the prophet Habakkuk saw. How long, Lord, must I call for help? And you do not listen or cry out to you about violence, and you do not save. Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing And conflict escalates. Doesn't that sound a lot like where we are? Listen again. Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. Habakkuk wanted to know, How long, Lord... Do I have to keep calling out to you and asking you and praying to you and you don't do anything and you don't listen? How long? How long am I going to keep speaking? How long before you do something? Habakkuk was a prophet. One more verse. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges for the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. He was a man whose name means embraced or the one who embraces. Maybe he has this name in the sense of this letter of his that he is embracing this difficult question of how long. Maybe he's being embraced by God, who we will see will give him an unexpected answer to his question. He also, as we get to chapter 3 in a couple of weeks, we will see that he also was a songwriter. And we will read one of his songs. So he probably not only was a prophet, but also helped in temple worship. He was a prophet during the reign of King Jehoiakim. This is the, at the time 
in Judah's history where their kingdom is just about at its end. Jehoiakim's father, Josiah, was a godly king who brought reforms to the nation of Judah. And for the time of his reign, there was a return to God, a return to the law. And so I'm certain people like Habakkuk and others were excited that finally here was a king like David who loved God, who cared about God, who wanted the nation to worship God and not worship false idols. But that hope was short-lived. He was killed in battle. His son Jehoaz took his place. He was only there for three months because then the Pharaoh of Egypt took him away and put Jehoiakim in his place, his brother. Jehoiakim was a wicked king. And during this time when he reigned, uh, politically in, in the armies of the area, it is the Babylonians who are gaining strength. And it's the Assyrians to the north of Judah and the Egyptians to the south who are embracing and getting ready for this attack from the Babylonians. And Judah is this little country right in the middle. And so, obviously, politically, there's concern. Are the Egyptians going to overtake us? Are the Assyrians going to overtake us as they had already done the northern kingdom over a hundred years before? Or are the Babylonians going to come and take over all of us? Uh, The rulers and the kings of that day were looking to each other to help stop the Babylonians. The people of Judah should have been looking to God. But they weren't. And that's why Habakkuk asked, how long? How long? Let's look at his question again. How long before you listen to my prayers? Again, verse 2 says, How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen, or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? The other question, why aren't you doing anything? Again, listen, why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Habakkuk is complaining to God, but he's also blaming God. He said, God, this is your fault. God, you could do something, but you're not doing anything. Therefore, it's your fault. There's oppression, there's violence, there's injustice. God, you could stop it right now. But you're not doing it. So it's your fault. And you're making me look at it. I have to live through this and I have to see it. God, my life is miserable because of you. So he's not only asking, he's accusing God. Because God is allowing all of this to happen. Oppression and violence are right in front. Strife is ongoing. The law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. In other words, it's like taking the law and justice and twisting it. And we see this. What is Right becomes wrong. What's wrong becomes right. That's what's happened in Habakkuk's day. The righteous, the innocent, they're the ones that are suffering. The evil, the ungodly, those in power are twisting everything so that they are the ones who are succeeding. And Habakkuk's had enough of it. He sees it, he has to live among it. And he's been praying, he's been asking, maybe for years But God seems silent, and God isn't raising his finger to do anything. 
injustice, wrongdoing, oppression, violence, strife, conflict, ineffective law, and perverted justice. I just want to say this to you. Sometimes when we need God the most is when it seems like God is most silent. And when that happens, some people give up on God. Some people stop asking. Some people will go to the point where they say there is no God. I have been asking and asking. I have been talking to the wall. I have been talking to the sky. Nothing is happening. There must not be any God at all. Some people get bitter at God. They don't deny God, but they say, what what good is God? He's not doing anything in my life. I'm going to stop talking to him. I'm going to stop going to church. I'm going to stop everything. All this stuff is just a hoax. I'm not going to even bother with it anymore. But it's in those times, Jesus encourages us to keep praying. Now that might seem like the last thing you want to do when you keep asking and God seems to be silent. But he says, keep praying. We don't have time this morning, but I just want to highlight two places in Luke where we learned this from Jesus. And if you have the sermon summary in your bulletin, it gives you the verses in Luke 11 and Luke 15 that you can look up later, but I will explain them to you right now. You know this A parable that Jesus tells, it says in Luke that he tells this so that people would keep praying and not give up. So this is the whole reason he tells this parable, is so that we would keep praying and not stop praying. And it's about a widow who is seeking justice from an unjust judge. And the unjust judge even admits in the parable, I don't care. He says, I don't care about her. I don't care about justice. He did not care about getting her any justice or anyone any justice because he's an unjust judge. But she kept asking and asking and asking and asking and asking and asking. And as you know what happens when people keep asking and asking, it becomes from asking to nagging, and nagging becomes more and more pressure. You just finally give in. And so the unjust judge gave her justice Because she was a nag, I guess you could say. But the point is this, Jesus says, this is not the point. You don't read that and say, oh, well, gosh, we got to nag the Lord until he gives in. No, he says the opposite. He says, I'm not, God's not like the judge. This is the point of the parable. If an unjust judge can be nagged to do something, a just judge like God is going to act on your behalf when you ask. I think sometimes we get it wrong and think Jesus is saying, just keep asking and asking and asking until you wear God down. (laughs) What he's saying is, when you ask, and it feels like you've asked enough, don't stop because God is listening. and He's a just God. He's going to do something. He's going to answer. You're just stopping too soon. You're just giving up too soon. Don't stop. If an unjust judge can be persuaded, certainly a just God is listening and caring and will answer. So don't give up. And Jesus also talks about a neighbor. A neighbor who comes in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night knocks on your door and asks for some food. You've already gone to bed. 
They've already turned out the lights. They've already got the kids to bed. But here he comes knocking on the door. You want to tell him to get out. You want to tell him, go back. I'm already, you're not getting anything from me. But what would you do? You would give him the bread. And that's what Jesus says. Because of this guy's boldness, some translations say, or because of his persistence, because this guy had the audacity to go to his neighbor in the middle of the night and ask for food, his neighbor is going to give it to him. So Jesus says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. He goes on to say, you parents know that when your kids ask for food, you don't give them a snake, you don't give them a scorpion. So you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does the Heavenly Father know how to good, give good gifts to His children? To the point Jesus is saying, be bold in your prayers, be persistent, and God is a good Father who is going to answer. So I think sometimes the problem is that we quit too soon. Maybe we ask once or twice and think, well, that's it. Maybe even if you've asked a hundred. Don't forget God is listening. He will answer and He will give good gifts to His children. You just have to continue praying. Well, that's what Habakkuk did and God gave him an answer. He says this, Look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded for I'm doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Look, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories not its own. They are fierce and terrifying. Their views of justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than wolves of the night. Their horsemen charge ahead. Their horsemen come from distant lands. They fly like eagles swooping to devour. All of them come to do violence. Their faces are set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and rulers or joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege ramps to capture it. Then they sweep by like the wind and pass through. They are guilty. Their strength is their God. Now I read that fast, but this is what has happened. Habakkuk has asked how long. He's expecting God to answer with this. He's expecting God to say, Habakkuk, I am going to turn the hearts of the people in Judah, and they are going to repent, and they are going to be a godly nation. You just have to wait six more months, another year, another king, another generation, and it's going to happen. He, he was expecting maybe God to say, you're right, Habakkuk. The wicked are prospering and the innocent are suffering. I am going to punish the wicked and the righteous are going to flourish. And this nation will be great again. That's what Habakkuk was waiting to hear from God. Uh, a change of heart so that the whole nation returns to God. Or at least the wicked to be punished and the righteous to be rewarded. But God's answer was not that whatsoever. And I want you to notice one thing before I get into the exact answer that God gave. God did not give Habakkuk an explanation. Often when we talk to God, we want an explanation. That's what Habakkuk wanted. He said, how long? And he said, why? 
aren't you doing anything, God? He wanted God to give an explanation. He wanted God to say, well, Habakkuk, I'm not doing anything because, and then list the reasons. And don't we often want a reason for our suffering? We want a reason for the pain of life. We want a reason, and we ask God why. And we ask Him how long. We want Him to give us an answer, an explanation of why it's taken so long. God did not give him an explanation. Because God does not have to give us an explanation. We don't deserve an explanation from the Almighty God. What God did give him was a revelation. A revelation about what was going to happen. A revelation that really shows us, I'll come back to these, shows us who God is. He gave a revelation of himself, really, in these verses. So I want you to think about this. Too many times we want an explanation, and what we really need is more of God. And that's really the reason we keep praying. Because see, the more we talk to God, the more, I should say, the closer we get to God. And the closer we get to God, the better perspective we are going to get of our life, and maybe even of the whole world, and of who God is. So especially when things don't make sense, that's when we need. To seek God and to see Him better. Now, this is the answer that God gave him. He was going to bring a ruthless nation to come and destroy Judah. I want you to understand that. This is though as if you had cancer and you were praying and asking God how long before the suffering ends. And God says, oh, I'm not only giving, you're not only going to have cancer, you're also going to have kidney failure. And we as a nation cry out and say, God, when is this nation going to turn back to you? And God says, well, it's going to be China and Iran and Russia that are going to combine and they're going to take your country over. The United States is gone. Do you see that the the answer that he gets to his prayer is not that things are going to get better. The answer is they're going to get worse, far worse. In fact, God says, look, you're not going to believe it. I mean, this is, Habakkuk would rather have no answer than this answer. Again, when you're praying to God and you're expecting an answer that's going to be comforting, an answer that's going to bring you joy, an answer that's going to bring relief, and then the answer you get, it's going to get worse, far worse. That's my answer. That really makes no sense. Uh, In fact, this is what's going to happen. Let's look at these again. I'll just do it this way. This group of Babylonians, They're a law unto themselves. They don't care about any laws that God has made. They are, the army's like a ferocious animal. Notice the leopards, the wolves, eagles, some translations of vultures. This is how they're described as fierce, swift animals. 
that are bent on destruction. They have been going throughout the Middle East and they have been conquering people, city after city, without anyone stopping them. They collect prisoners like sand. Think about what you, how many grains of sand you can collect with your hand. That's how many people they have oppressed and how many they have collected. When a ruler stands against them, when they come up against a fortified city, they just laugh. <laughs> you think you're going to stop us? You think that wall you have around your city is going to stop us? That's not going to stop us. They laugh at rulers and laugh at fortified cities. And they don't worship God. Their God is their might and their strength. Again, look, this is the people that's going to come to Judah and destroy them. There's your answer, Habakkuk. That's what's going to happen. In these times, this is all I can say. When God doesn't make sense, we need to trust Him. Sometimes I think, we think, we can figure life, the universe, out. And we often think we can figure it out and do it pretty well. And that sometimes we think we can do it a lot better than God does it. You know, I think we look at our world and say, well, I could fix that, and I could fix this, I could cure this, I could change that. You know, if I had the power to do it. Haven't you thought that? You know, that if God for a day let you be God, how you could fix so much of the problems in this world. You see, this is the problem. I mean, our minds are so tiny. Our perspective is so small. I mean, how long have you been alive? 50, 60, 70, 80 years? I mean, how long has God been around? How much do you know about the future? How much do you know about how all of our lives work together, about how all of history works together? How much do you know about how God's plan all fits together? See, the point is we don't. Uh, God says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, we can't figure it out. And as Christians, we don't need to figure it out. What we need to do is keep praying we don't stop praying because we can't understand it or we haven't got the answer yet. We keep praying. We keep seeking God and we trust Him. That's what we do when our personal lives make no sense and nothing is changing for the positive. That's what we do when our world, our country makes no sense. We see no change for the positive. We don't see how it's all going to work out. That's where Habakkuk was. He prayed, and God gave him an answer. He told him it's going to get worse. And we are going to see Habakkuk's response to that. His first response, we'll see next week, is, 
wait a minute, God, did I hear you right? Okay, so that's, that's what we'll see next week. Uh, you know, I, was that what you said? I mean, that's basically, and that's what you would say too. And then the third week, we'll look at the response of his soul once he had time to meditate on what just happened between him and God. And I'll already go ahead and give you a teaser and a preview. One of the most famous verses in Habakkuk, I guess the famous verse, you probably don't even know it's in Habakkuk. It's quoted three times in the New Testament. The righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Not by sight, not by figuring it all out in our minds, but by faith. And a God who knows all, a God who's in control of all, a God who is loving, a God who's compassionate. This is the hardest thing to do when none of it makes sense. And that's why I wanted to look at this short little book, because right now none of it makes sense. In our world, maybe in your personal life, I feel like a backache. How long and why aren't you doing something? God's answer to us is the righteous will live by faith. Heavenly Father, we don't understand it all. And we don't understand even what happens from day to day, much less how a year, how a country, how a a plan of yours comes together. Father, I know this morning has been a little strange from screens that weren't working to a solemn time with uh, discussing abortion to a time here with Habakkuk that also is difficult to understand. So my prayer is this, Lord, as we close this service, I pray that you would help all of us this morning to have this truth sink in that the righteous shall live by faith. That's my prayer. I'll keep it at that, Lord. Help us to meditate and to understand that as we sing and respond and as we go into this day and the rest of this week. And I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.